Summertime in Amity Island, a coastal town in New England. It's 4th of July weekend, and the tourist dollars are booming. But beneath the cold depths of the ocean waves lurks something big, dangerous, and hungry. A colossal great white shark with a fondness for human flesh has chosen to dine at the Amity Island Human Buffet. We call it the beach. The chief of police is pressured not to close the beaches, so he teams with a marine biologist and a grizzled old fisherman to find this shark and kill it before anybody else gets hurt. Considered by many to be the very first summer blockbuster, and still considered to be one of the scariest films of all time, it's 1975's Jaws, today on Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, you lovely bastards. Welcome to Filmgasm, the podcast that talks about horror films whether you like it or not. I'm Connor Izagari, jaded captain of the Orca, and I'm joined today by Austin Johnson, the chief of police of Amity Island. (laughs) Nobody wanted to be Hooper, sorry. (laughs) So excited for today's episode, Jaws is one of my all-time favorite movies, not just horror movies, but movies, and I can't wait to get into it today. Before that, I hope you enjoyed last week's dig into The Hitcher. Stay tuned next week for another Weird Shit Wednesday, this time on the films of Joel and Ethan Coen two of the most talented filmmakers of all time. The minds behind Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, No Country for Old Men, and so much more. We'll dig into each of their 18 films and give our two cents on why we think the Coen brothers have managed to stick around since the 80s and continue to dominate the indie film scene with every film they release. No rewind for you this week. Nothing's happening out there in the world of filmgasm's past. Maybe next week we'll have something to talk talk about, something neat. But today, let's get right into it. Jaws, the quintessential shark movie, the template, the OG, Spielberg's masterpiece, some might say. What do you think it is about Jaws that has kept it in our hearts for such a long time? Uh, I think, first off, I would say it being not uh, solely a horror movie is is huge. Um, To us, yes, it is. To to everyone, it is one of the greatest horror movies of all time, or, or maybe the best. But but it's so much more than that. There's so much more going on. The acting is unbelievable in this movie. Everyone is hitting on all cylinders. So that's why the longevity has been so good. And and the fact that they use their monster the right amount of yeah the right amount of time. I agree. Uh, the fact that our our shark uh, jaws is only used you know a certain amount of time on the screen is a big part of why it's so scary. And why it's so daunting every time you uh, rewatch this movie, and I think that's a big part of why it's aged so well. Yes, yeah. is, is is that fact? What about you? I think that it's a film that's inspired, I think, like three or four generations now to not go in the water. Yeah, it's oh, hundred percent. It scares the shit out of everybody, and it will for generations to come. And it's the film that proved to everybody that Steven Spielberg was here to stay. That he was somebody who was going to change the filmmaking industry, and. The shark doesn't look fake. That's amazing. Not at all, yeah. It still looks... There's like one little... But it's so small. Yeah, like a, it's tooth bends at one point. Yeah. And that's yeah oh, that's fake. But it's 1975. Yeah. And and that's very, very, very little. And that's coming from two people who have seen the movie around 100 times. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's that's picking nits. Like, yeah. You know? And it's funny because the shark looks way faker in all the shitty sequels. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you can even call them sequels, they're yeah, they're not. They're, they're a joke. Yeah, they don't. But we'll get to that. <laughs> they they don't get acknowledged in the same light as as <laughs> just Jaws. Yeah, Jaws began life as a novel by Peter Benchley that was published in 1974. It was based partly on the exploits of shark fisherman Frank Mundus, who would inspire the character of Quint Mundus was a real-life Quint. He was a shark hunter who later became a shark conservationist. And, uh, yeah, good for him. (laughs) (laughs) The film adaptation, which would be released the following year in 1975, removed some of Benchley's subplots, including the affair between Ellen Brody and Matt Hooper. Yeah, I've read about that. Apparently, like, bang, in the book, no? Apparently, like, I read Spielberg wanted to rewrite the whole script because he felt the Shark was the best character because all the people were horrible. Yeah, yeah. Horrible people. Uh, and uh, Quint's death, cha- death scene was also changed. In the book, he is dragged to the ocean depths, Moby Dick style. But in the movie, he gets eaten. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot more, I think it's more fitting, personally. He's, For sure. He's a bit of an Ahab, but I don't know if that would have fit him. Just kind of, his foot gets tied around some rope and he gets hurled off like the barrels. Yeah, no, no, wouldn't have worked. But. No, that we we need we need Robert Shaw screaming for a minute straight. We need for it for this movie to work. Yeah, we, <laughs> we need it. We need, need it. it. You need it like every time you watch it. You're like, I need, I need, I need Robert Shaw to just scream because you know, on set every single day he's pissed drunk. Yeah. Ro- well, Robert Shaw, the guy was drinking for decades, you know, consecutively. Yeah. And Jaws is in the middle of that <laughs> of all that happening, and you know, I, I love him to death, but my God, you could, you know, this guy. That he, he sells that scene so, so well. Unbelievable. It's insane. You have to have it. Yeah. Can you believe this movie's PG? Fuck, man. PG, a 70s PG was a 2000s hard R. It's like a crime. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a crime letting kid, like children watch. Like, ah, PG, whatever. Well, I guess back then it was just G, PG, R. Right? Yeah, but this is a movie that has never really serious gore. It has a severed head. Oh, yeah. Like what more do you need? Really, they should have they should have had Hooper be a little bit more of like a hothead and say fuck a couple times, and then just be like, "All right, let's make it R." Yeah, there's like but no then, swearing. In but this. then you don't have the whole changing changing summer blockbuster, changing the way it films. That's true. But it's like, oh my god, there's a there's a nude girl getting eaten by a shark in the very beginning of the film. Yeah, but you don't see anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty frightening. It's it's. I meant like nudity wise. Well, you kind of see her top. You, you get like a shadow. You don't. Yeah, but it's but like as a kid, I don't know. The rule of know. thumb is if you don't see a nipple, there is no nudity. That's the movie. Uh, rule of thumb. No nipple, no R rating. You can show the entire rest of the body. But yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that would have propelled this into R. It's just it's so obvious. Like they're drunk, she's skinny obvious. dipping. Yeah. Like here's this drunk ass guy who can't even get in the damn water. Uh, what a loser that guy. Uh, anyway, well, he would have gotten killed too. <laughs> Uh, I'm an islander. So, Jaws was directed by Oscar winner Steven Spielberg, one of the most influential filmmakers of all time. He's won two Oscars for directing Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Those two, those are great movies. Yeah. They're not even, they're not even in my top five. Oh, no. Not, like, not, I don't want to say not close, but they're not in my top five. Yeah. Some of his more popular films, if you don't know who Spielberg is, which, why the hell are you listening to this? Some of his more popular films include Jurassic Park, the Indiana Jones franchise. You ever heard of those? <laughs> E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Minority Report, and most recently, Ready Player One. He's currently working on a remake of West Side Story and a fifth Indiana Jones film. Spielberg was reluctant to do Jaws at first, 
as he had just done Duel, another fantastic movie, and he didn't want to be typecast as a horror director. He didn't want to be the guy doing big creatures or big trucks. And Duel was basically Jaws with a truck. But producer David Brown convinced him to stick with it, saying, quote, After Jaws, you can make all the films you want. Boy, was he right. Holy shit. Jaws turned Spielberg into a superstar who could write his own ticket. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of changed, uh, or, or helped change, the, the whole director being kind of the creator of yeah. the tone and set and what's going on in the entire film. Before this, producers called the shots for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, and, and Spiel, guys like Spielberg, you know, we've talked about the 70s. Yeah, <laughs> almost exclusively, almost every time we've A done one of these. amount, uh, you know, and then we obviously Tarantino's movie talked about going into the 70s. So yeah, we're, we've, you know, we know this stuff uh, really well, and this is a really important time for big film fans because creativity is being more introduced into, hey man, take... Take some liberties, and Spielberg kind of tied in the best of both worlds. I'm going to be really creative and use this horror genre that that's like super awesome, but I'm also going to make this family like event type movie yeah. that everyone everyone's going to go see. Yeah, it's weird how that that totally is what Jaws is. It's a family event film somehow. Yeah, yeah somehow. I don't get like for example the Alma Drafthouse. I think I don't know if it's every summer, but this summer. They did Jaws on the Water. I'm sure they do it every summer. Where now, they yeah. show Jaws on a big inflatable screen over Lake Travis, and you come and you know bring your whole family. You uh, sit on inner tubes. You go to a theme park, a water park. And people like yeah. Fucking... People bring their kids. They have divers that grab your leg when yeah. the sharks are there. Like holy shit! But this is a very gory horror film. Yeah. But everybody loves it. It's I don't yeah it's amazing. It's also it's also one hour of you know kind of detective type work and figuring out what's going on and mm-hmm. there's just it's just chaos and everybody's kind of confused and you got an idiot mayor you know and and then the the second half is straight horror. That's what I love about this is that it's not just a shark movie. It's a great character study. Oh yeah no yeah it, th- we wouldn't you know we wouldn't be talking about it this much. We're just talking about the opening if it wasn't this brilliant brilliant masterpiece and all you know everything works. The actors work, the characters work, you know, the dialogue works really well. The, there's some shots in this movie that are like, oh my god, he's way ahead of his time. Yeah. Way ahead of his time. The shot with, with Brody, you know what I'm talking about, when he's at the beach and he realizes, oh fuck. Yeah, the dolly zoom. <laughs> yes. And yeah. then, boom, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Still taught at schools today, so really, really good stuff there from him. <laughs> oh, for sure. He definitely, he turned this from what could have been just a B-movie grindhouse flick into like a Hitchcock like thriller. Yes. Oh my god, that nails that nails it right there. That nails it. Yeah. Say that again for the <laughs> It's like a Hitchcock like he's he got a lot of Hitchcock elements in it. You know, the whole the the Dolly Zoom alone, that's straight out of psycho. Yes, yeah. And he he treated this like a movie, uh, how not does, just how does he perfect it. How do you how do you do that? I don't know. How do you take how do you have the balls to do that? And he's what I we just looked it up before he was like he's twenty nine. When he's making this movie, the balls to do that yeah. at this time, oh, man. It's he really tried amazing. a lot of experimental stuff with this. He filmed in the ocean instead of doing it on a backlot tank somewhere, and, and, not, and not really like an interesting ocean, just the ocean. Yeah, there's no like California palm beaches, you no. know, palm, palm trees involved. It's just middle straight, of the Atlantic, like nasty, <laughs> nasty, like murky blue where you can't quite see under, and you're like, oh boy, this no. is disgusting. Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't want to go hang out there. <laughs> uh, before Spielberg, the film was offered to Dick Richards, who had, yeah, was, <laughs> Dick Dix, who had just done the film The Culpepper <sighs> Cattle Company, a western, and I guess, I don't know that film, so he must not have 
been as influential as he hoped he would be. But after Richards kept annoying the producers by referring to the shark as a whale, he was fired. He kept calling it the whale, and the producers are like, look, this is a shark, and if you don't know the difference, you can't do this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ugh, fucking moron. The script changed hands so many times, with Spielberg wanting various screenwriters to add some humor, some horror, some drama, some camaraderie among the three leads, many other stuff, and slowly but surely, Jaws began to morph into the film we know and love today. A lot of different people had a lot of different input to this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. The three leads are Chief of Police Martin Brody, played by Oscar nominee Roy Scheider, Marine Biologist Matt Hooper, played by Oscar winner Richard Dreyfus, and Focused Sea Captain Quint, played by Oscar nominee Robert Shaw. <sighs> Roy Scheider was nominated for his roles in 1971's The French Connection. Oh my god. And 1979's All That Jazz. Have you seen All That Jazz? I have not. Have you seen French Connection? I have not. Both of those are fucking great. <laughs> all That Jazz, and All That Jazz, he, he carries... I would say he carries most of the Jaws, but he, he really carries all that jazz really well. He uh, he would love it. I'm going to definitely. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. There's nothing that's not on my He's list. one of my favorite 70s actors. Right on. Yeah. I uh, all, all three of those. Yeah. Jaws, all that jazz, and, and uh, French <laughs> Connection. Brilliant stuff from Scheider. Killer. Scheider died in 2008 at age 75 of multiple myeloma, a sort of white blood cell cancer. Richard Dreyfuss won his only Oscar to date for 1977's The Goodbye Girl. Oh, yeah? And was also nominated for 1995's Mr. Holland's Opus. Robert Shaw was nominated for his role in 1966's A Man for All Seasons. I've not seen that. Me neither. I need to. And he was good friends with Sean Connery, even appearing as the Bond villain Donald Grant in 1963's From Russia with Love. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite Bond villains. I would say, maybe maybe my favorite. Yeah, it's perfect. Possibly, yeah. He's like the anti-Bond. Shaw died in 1978 at age 51 of a heart attack, just three years after Jaws, because he was a lifelong alcoholic. Oh yeah, and yeah, I've done the I, I I've heard someone do the, the the math on how many drinks he's had, or he or he had, and it was like 150 thousand or something like that. Fucking hell! Thinking because he admitted like during an interview that he has a certain amount per day. Wow. He's like, I have to meet this per day, basically. Like, he's an, he's yeah, he was a yeah purebred alcoholic. <laughs> Who could somehow it just yeah he, just he could pull it together lit and lit up the screen yeah know, like lit it up like made eh. he was uh, he was unique he's Nobody like a, he's like a guy who comes off the bench and you know scores a couple touchdowns like what the fuck where this guy come from <laughs> <laughs> yeah what the hell yeah he's amazing amazing all three of these characters Brody Hooper and Quint are fantastically cast and they've all three since become iconic film characters because the actors dominate this film all three of them fucking kill it. Give three of their greatest performances. No one, no one takes away from the other. No, it's so fluent. It's like, yeah, it's like watching art. Those three. It's a perfect ensemble. I love threes. Threes is my favorite way of like hanging out with people. Is my favorite way of like. It's just everything makes more sense with threes. <laughs> and I love these. This is one of the coolest like triptych. Like these three guys together in this crazy situation. Yeah, is perfect. <sighs> perfect, perfect setting for a movie. Lorraine Gary plays Brody's wife Ellen. She was the wife of Sid Sheinberg the president of Universal Pictures at the time, and she's the only actor to appear in both Jaws and Jaws the Revenge, the final sequel of the franchise. Interesting. She's the wife of the president of Universal, almost like they were trying to uh, gain some favor here. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Murray Hamilton plays the mayor of Amity. Uh, He's a corrupt politician who appears in the first two films and is constantly trying to keep the beach open despite knowing about the shark attacks 
and not giving a fuck. <laughs> this guy is crazy. Yeah. He's like a he's like a he's like a villain. Yeah. He's he's fucking insane that he he's like oh, I got to keep the beaches open. It, so yeah. more children can die. He pressures the medical examiner. To, it's like, yeah. he's insane. He's he is. he's insane. I I the more I watch that now as I get older I'm like, "Oh my, this is one of the worst villains like in any He's got one of my favorite lines in the movie, though. Oh, yes. When he's talking to... Brody's trying to convince him to close the beach. and Brilliant scene. Yeah. He, the mayor's like, look, look. If you yell barracuda, everybody looks around like, what? What's that? But if you yell shark, then we got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Oh, I love it's, that line. The way he delivers it is it's, like, yeah. oh, it's so good. The word shark is a dirty word at yeah. this, in Amity. Yeah. He kind of he leans in when he says shark. Like, yeah. Because, yeah, bar- Barracuda is like, all right, we can deal with that. Or, like, that's not that scary for adults. But, yeah. oh, fuck. You, you, you want to, you start, <laughs> yeah, you start bringing up sharks. And, yeah, then, yeah. Well, the, you know, this this town thrives off of. Yeah, it's the, a coastal town. They yeah. need the summer dollars. Yeah, yeah, of course, anybody who's listening has seen Jaws. So, yeah. you know, you know, you know that this, yeah, this place needs this, this, they need the funds. They need this money for their, you know, they need the tourist dollars. I think is what Murray says at one point. Uh, yeah. We need the tourist dollars, Brody, <laughs> uh, to, to last. Yeah. So, yeah. And Brody, this is his first summer. Yeah. He's, you know, a New, Yorker. New York City cop, mm-hmm. moved out here to kind of get away from it all, <laughs> get, relax a little bit. <laughs> let, his, let his family hang out in the water. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So good. So the filming of Jaws was a nightmare. They built three gas-powered shark puppets that the crew nicknamed Bruce... After Spielberg's lawyer, a shark. That's beautiful. And one of the sharks was so heavy that it sank the moment they put it in the water. What a well, <laughs> who got that? Who has that? They're like the original. Who has that the... just sucked and just sank? <laughs> I want that. I want to own that. I want to put that in my put that in my apartment. <laughs> Spielberg, like I said, he wanted to film in the actual ocean instead of in a tank in the back lot. The film ended up going five million dollars over budget. Yeah, the crew started famously. Calling, yeah, they started calling the film flaws. <laughs> and you know, since they were filming in the ocean, they would get sailboats drifting into frame, cameras would get drenched, and the sharks just kept malfunctioning. Tensions began to grow, especially between Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh boy, great story here. Shaw was jealous of Dreyfus's recent success with The Apprentice of Duddy Kravitz, a Canadian comedy. Shaw was dealing with tax problems and rampant alcoholism, and all of this tension just kept growing, and it made it into the film, as you can clearly see. That Hooper and Quint are at each other's throats during the, the shark hunt. They are just, you know, it's about to boil over the entire time. Because they fucking hated each other. Rob, uh, Robert Shaw once said... I'm sorry, I'm just laughing. Yeah, it's great. Those two are like a couple of brothers who just fucking hate each other. Well, Robert Shaw once said, like, yeah. he was holding the drink and he said, like, man, I wish I could quit drinking. So Richard Drive just walked over, grabbed his drink and threw it in the ocean. <laughs> Great way to make friends with an alcoholic. Have you read that story about uh, Robert Shaw kept betting um, Dreyfus to jump off the boat? Like, jump off, I'll give you $1,000. And he'd be like, no, like, I'm not. And he'd be like, pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. In between takes, just (laughs) Richard Dreyfus is like an actor. Like, he's like, you know, trying to get focused. And Robert Shaw is just like, someone bring me a goddamn beer. (laughs) And he's daring people for money. Like, jump off the. (laughs) What a fucking chaotic, chaotic yeah. place for a 29-year-old Steven Spielberg. Richard Dreyfuss is Shooter McGavin. Robert Shaw is Happy Gilmore. <laughs> That's right there. Oh, get off that <laughs> beach, you jackass. 
This is golf, not yeah. a rock concert. Uh, you better uh, get sunscreen and a towel. <laughs> I love Happy Gilmore. Me too. Okay, so the defective sharks forced Spielberg to improvise. Instead of the shark being a prominent figure in all his glory, he does this the on the go. Yeah, this yeah. Is, he's just improvising. Like, yeah, because everything was fucked. All the everyone's like on set, like waiting. What are, what are we doing? You know, yeah, what's going on? Everyone's expecting this to fail so miserably. Yeah, Spielberg ended up just showing the shark's fin sticking out of the water, or he filmed scenes from the shark's point of view, and this made the film even scarier. As all you need to do is hear that music and see that fin, and you know that something horrific is about to happen. It's yes. accidentally brilliant. It never should have worked, but it makes the film even better than it could have been. And, and again, I think it makes it super rewatchable. Yeah. Because it makes you really focus on the little things that are going on around this, mm-hmm. this shark. So. You only see the full shark a handful of times. Uh, like, how long do you think, like, minutes-wise? To- total, Maybe like, two minutes? Three like, minutes? Yeah, like, where you actually see the shark? Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's about right. And it's the perfect amount. It's, uh, it's brilliant. Jaws has an IMDb score of 8.0. And what? Yeah, I know. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 98%. There you go. It won three Oscars for Best Sound Mixing, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score for John Williams. Oh, legend. It was also nominated for Best Picture, but it lost to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I'm okay with if that. If any film was going to beat Jaws, I'm glad it was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah, Nest. Yeah, I just would love to attach that to Jaws. To Best just picture. be like, it just would, it just rounds it out, makes it nice. It's one of the few horror films to have that honor of being nominated for Best but, Picture. But, Milos Foreman... One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Nicholson's at the top of his game. I get it. It's a great movie. <laughs> one Flew the Cuckoo's Nest is one of the only movies to like sweep all the big... Yeah, to take the, the big five. The big five, yeah. Yeah. Only two other films have done that. Silence of the Lambs and... It Happened One Night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really like two of those. And the other one... The other one's good. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen It Happen One Night. I it's to, good. Yeah. It's good. I just don't hold it in the same regard as the... <laughs> <laughs> well, the other two are... Are like... I- unbelievable. Iconic. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think personally the most deserving of these awards is original score. The music from Jaws. I, yeah, I agree. He kind of wins the movie. It's the yeah. I- most iconic thing about yeah. the movie, you know. Yeah. Da-da. And as uh, much that, great uh, shit as John Williams has that. done, this might be his his pinnacle, yeah. like his masterpiece. John Williams is responsible for some of the most incredible film scores of all time: Star well, Wars, Harry yeah. Potter, Jurassic yeah. Park, Superman. This was <laughs> all it's, him. It's kind of like it's kind. He's he's one of the only like composers, one of the only you know guys who does this where. You would say, name a movie. He probably did it. Yeah, you know, Indiana like, Jones. I'd say, you know, like him and Hans Zimmer, are like the modern. Mm-hmm. They they run they run the score game. It's know? incredible. And Jaws was the one that got him an Oscar. Yeah, like his first Oscar. I think he's won since. But yeah, yeah, surely it's so perfect. You're gonna hear a snippet of it at the end of the podcast. But if you're listening to this, you know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, but we'll give you we'll give you a little bit of yeah. it later. The official little taste. I don't want to even do it. I don't want. I, I, I keep wanting to go, uh, but I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about the story of Jaws. The film opens with one of the most iconic film deaths of all time. Drunk girl named Chrissy jumps out in the ocean, gonna skinny dip. Her drunk hookup dude is following her. He passes out on the beach. It's like how it's like how early do you think it is? Five the five a.m. four a.m. Yeah, because it's like clearly the sun's about to come up. Yeah. They're all wasted. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's swimming out there. She's having a wonderful time. And you just start hearing that, dun, 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 and you see something coming up at her from yeah. under the ocean, and we're all just like, "Fuck!" Her legs, her legs are just—you just see her legs waddling. Yeah, and then and you she, see you ugh. see a little under boob right there. <laughs> no nipple, yeah. as Connor pointed yeah. out. That's the rule. This is PG. Uh, it's just funny that's yeah. the opening scene. It is, and then she gets dragged 
and she's freaking out. Drag, drag, she starts yeah. screaming. She swims towards a buoy. She grabs it. It pulls her out. She's screaming, and it just drags her under, and you never see her again. Meanwhile, our hookup idiot is on the yeah. on like the shore right next to the water, trying to take his clothes off, and he can't because he's wasted, and he falls asleep. The girl who played Chrissy was an Olympic swimmer who was rigged up to some kind of pulley system, dragged around, and she was never in any danger, which is nice. No. That's very nice to know because, good <laughs> God, I thought she was dead. <laughs> That's how scary that yeah. that opening scene is. Yeah, that freaked me out as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, you said you saw it when you were six, seven years old. Yes, yeah, it was one of the early, the earliest horror films. I was I was older than that for sure. And I, but I, oh boy, this was it. It set the tone for sure. Oh my God, for yes. sure. Uh, then we meet Martin Brody, New York City cop, chief of police of Mammoth Island, his first summer, and. He's going to go investigate a uh, body that's washed up. What happened to this body, yeah. Yeah, it is chopped to shreds. There's like an arm left. And he goes to the medical examiner. He looks it up and the medical examiner gives him a cause of death. Shark attack. And then he decides, all right, we got to close the beaches until something catches. So we catch this thing. So he goes to go get some signs. The mayor of, intercepts Of course, him. it's late June, early yeah. July, because that's it's, when all the people are coming. Yeah. yeah, it's about to be 4th of July weekend, which is the biggest weekend for the beach. Yeah. And the mayor intercepts him and says, "Look, we got to do some more, explore, you know, some more investigating. Some more investigating before we start closing the beaches. This could have been anything. Maybe a broke propeller." He blackmails the medical examiner to change his mind, which is super fucking shady. That's a good scene, though. Yeah. When Brody, yeah, Brody, it's like middle of the day, and you're you're just like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" You know, because you, yeah, as a viewer, you're like, "That was not. That was clearly something in the water oh, yeah. that ate her." So. Yeah. So you're, as a viewer, you're just like, oh man, like Brody, please keep pushing, keep pushing, yeah. keep pushing, like try to figure this out. And the mayor immediately becomes, I hate that guy. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so Brody doesn't close the beaches. He has, um, he calls a marine biologist to come in and invest and uh, look at the body. And that's Matt Hooper, Richard Dreyfus. And he shows up and he looks at the body. And he's like, yeah, this was a shark. <laughs> yeah, for this was sure. a great white shark. He's like disgusted too. This yeah. is like a National Geographic guy, you know. Yeah. He he like sees he sees the the wounds and he's like, oh my god! Like, yeah. I love that part when he tells Brody to stop smoking. He's like, no, don't do not smoke when I'm <laughs> that because that each character as they get on the screen, you get a very the character introduction in this movie is really really good. Oh yes, you get a really good feel for how serious Hooper is about about sharks and about yeah. the water. And um, I I also love love his look. It's the classic like. Uh, Northeast water look with yeah. the beanie, with Call the me Ishmael. denim jacket, yeah, with my backpack. Like here we go, you know. <laughs> oh, so good. And uh, I don't know if that happens before or after Alex Kinter's death. I think it's after, right? Or before? I don't know. Uh, Hooper, yeah. Hooper comes after. No, oh boy. See, yeah, this is this is what Jaws does to you. Yeah. Okay, so we're okay. Yeah. So Kinter. Okay, so I'll just talk about Kinter. All right, so Brody goes to the beach, full beach. He's Staring at the water, waiting for something to happen. You get a glimpse of, like, there's this guy playing with his dog. There's this couple goofing around. There's this kid on a raft. Who's going to die? Yeah, yeah. It plays with it. He, he's, could just, be anybody. he's just watching. Ah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Now it's, it's coming back to me. Sorry. <laughs> I got lost for a second. And then that's when there's a scene in this movie where there's the guy talking to him, you remember? And he's kind of distracted. Yeah. And you literally, as a viewer, also get distracted and don't remember what the guy said at no. all. You're just watching. You're watching Brody like kind of look around, yeah. look over his shoulder, and he's like just watching the water. You know, you see that. Yeah, you see the dog playing fetch. Yeah, yeah. unbelievably clever from Spielberg to kind of like 
This guy, you can kind of barely hear him. And even now, when I'm like, so, I'm like, I'm gonna try to focus in on what that guy's saying. Even then, I get my eyes just turn and look at Brody. Amazing, amazing that it's yeah. like manipulating the viewer to like, this is what you're gonna watch. I think that's the scene where they he tells that guy like, that's some bad hat Harry. Right? Yes, which yes. has since become I think Brian Singer's production company, Bad Hat Harry. Correct, correct. Which just nice little tidbit, little tidbits, yeah. But uh, you get to see the shark looking at all the legs. Dangling in the ocean, just hundreds yep. of people just looking around. Who am I gonna attack? And it goes for the kid on the raft. Takes out Alex Kinter in a gruesome scene where it just envelops him. Yeah, and everyone starts freaking out. The camera zooms into Brody, and he's like, "Oh shit! Yeah, get everybody out of here!" Fuck. And yeah. the raft, ah. the bloody raft, washes up, and Mom is trying to find her kid, and it's tragic. It's really sad. So but, she uh, devastating but, scene. Yeah. Devastating. The mother. Puts a like three thousand dollar bounty on the shark, and every fisherman in New England shows up to get this shark and yes. get the bounty. That's when Hooper shows up. That, okay, that right? Yeah, because yeah. that's when all when the, they're all showing all up. The Hooper shows yeah, up. Okay, yes. yeah. Sorry, there we go. sorry. That's our fault. I, yeah, that's probably my fault. I, we <laughs> wanted to see if we could do this from memory. <laughs> I got too, I got too excited, and I even said before it. Sometimes you get lost in the plot because it's that good of a horror movie it, where you're like. Yeah. Amazing. Flawless. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> That's cool. They're having, the fishermen and the council are having a meeting about how to go about this, and you hear nails on a chalkboard. Oh, so and everyone's, good. you know, turns to hear the source, and it's Quint, captain of the Orca, Robert Shaw. And he says, I'll, what is it, I'll find him for three, but I'll catch and kill him for ten. Yes, exactly. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole the damn old, thing. The whole damn thing. Even and, those weird-ass crackers. Thing. Yeah. Keep them all out of my way. This is my hunt. And holy shit, is that one of the best character introductions ever. Quint. No, no one knows what to say. They're like, oh. Yeah. Who, they all know this guy, but he keeps to himself. And he's got his little buddy with him. He's like, come on now. It's time, time for us to go. I gave him my offer. Now, um, yeah, it's time to hit the road. Go, go do what we do. I, I, yeah, he's great, man. <laughs> Robert Shaw. He steals this show, and if that's possible. <laughs> So, it, it's chaos, man. It's, yeah. cha- it's chaos as Hooper gets there, and yeah, as, as we see now, we're seeing Robert Shaw and you know, seeing Quint. Amazing. Yeah. These are uh, a couple of fishermen trying to chum. Uh, they dr- they get it, or with no, they throw in like a beefsteak, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Jaw shows up, try and gets the stare, tries to go after one of the fishermen. He's trying to crawl his way up the dock. Super tense. It is very intense. He yeah. gets away, but. Bare, barely, and yeah. the dock like breaks a little bit, and he gets mm-hmm. to crawl up. Oh man, crazy scene! <laughs> and uh, I think that's around the time Hooper decides to go night swimming, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah. Okay. So, what's going on? Like dramatic wise, what's going on now is like you have Brody and his wife, kind of, because they have kids. Yeah. And you have that scene where she's like, "Oh, what's the big deal?" And he's reading about sharks, yeah. and she sees in the book what's going like a <laughs> very like you know graphic gory shark picture of a shark. And the little kid's by the boat, and she's like, get out of there, you heard your dad! <laughs> so everybody's starting to, like, get freaked out about yeah. sharks now. Like, this is what's happening. And, and Hooper is, like, that guy who's like, oh, you're all gonna die, you know? Like, this is happening. Like, you're all idiots if you, like, think that you're gonna, like, take this thing down yeah. with a fucking, you know, little net, you mm-hmm. know, and some fucking steak. Like, this is a, yeah. a shark. They like, know it's a great white. They don't yet know the depth of what they're dealing with yet. The width of... Yeah. But he, he, yeah. This he is, has a, yeah. Yeah. So he goes to try to do some investigating with Brody. Brody's drunk okay. as hell. First, they cut the shark open. 
Yeah. Uh, when yeah. they find the license plate. They catch a tiger shark. Because, ah, sorry. All right, this is great. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> there here. is. Okay, there's another one of my favorite scenes that we, that's like right in there. <laughs> is when Hooper comes to Brody's house. And Brody, he has like the, the bottle of wine. Yeah. And right before, uh, it's father, son. And he's copying everything he does. You know, Brody's like, puts his hand, you know. And the little son. It's a great little father, son. You're like, little, oh, that's, that's, it's, that's it's sweet. The character development in this film <laughs> is, is awesome. And you're like, you're like, I like Brody. Yeah. At that point, you're like, I, I want this guy to figure this shit out. I want him yeah. to succeed in this lifestyle that he's in outside of New York. Because you can tell it's putting a strain on his family. You like all three of them for different reasons. You like Brody because yeah. he's a family man. You like Hooper because he's smart. You and like he, Quint because he's a badass. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that scene when Hooper comes to talk to him and he's like, dude, like we need to do something about this. And yeah. he brings the ball <laughs> and Brody takes it and pours a like, have the very bottle. tall glass. Yeah. Don't you want to let it breathe? Oh, yeah. never mind. Yeah, he's like, whatever. <laughs> and I guess that's the scene in the uh, book where the, you know, Hooper... Uh, and Brody's wife, bang! But what? that would have completely distracted. Yeah, it would have been it would have been ridiculous. And anyway, that's a great scene when they kind of confront each other. Like, all right, man, you and I are the only ones with brains. Yeah, on this island. Wouldn't so, you like to be sure about that shark? Yes. So they, and so yeah. that's yeah. He convinces him. You you're the chief of police. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. Let's go <laughs> cut that fucker open. Yeah. Because Hooper's like, I'm a genius. I know what I'm talking about. Anything that that's eaten the past week will be in there. Mm-hmm. I promise you. So yeah, that's yeah, that's a genius genius like. Yeah, like you said, the character introduction and progression is, is brilliant. They, yep. Hooper measures the mouth. It's not big enough for the bite marks. Nope. He cuts open the tiger shark. No remains. So whatever killed the boy is still out there. So he uh, Hooper decides to go diving at this uh, boat Ugh. that was taken down. He dives in there. He finds a giant great white shark tooth the size of a shot glass. Oh, man. And that scene gives me severed head <laughs> flies into view. He drops the shark, the, the shark tooth, freaks out. We all drop whatever we're yeah. holding at it's the time. It's a frightening scene. I forget about it almost me every too. time. Me too. The last, the not the last time I watched because I watched this a couple nights ago. But I the last time I watched it, just like two months ago, <laughs> I dropped. I was eating ice cream and I dropped it. I dropped my ice cream like in my lap and I was like, "Are you kidding me? I know that's coming." Fucker. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, I got, I got to bring that up on the podcast. So the next, <laughs> I fucking. Drop my goddamn ice cream. <laughs> so the next day, Hooper and Brody go to the mayor, and they tell him, "Look, the shark's still out there. Tiger shark's not the not the culprit." And I found that Hooper's like, "I found this giant shark tooth, and you need to close the beaches now before this bites you in the ass." And mayor's like, "No, fuck where's you. Where's the tooth? Yeah, where's the proof?" And uh, so he obviously then, does not trust Brody then, or yeah. Then Hooper oh says one of my another of my favorite lines where he says, "I'm not going to argue with a man lining up to be a hot lunch." <laughs> he walks away. He's like, I'm going home. You guys are fucking batshit crazy. Oh, my uh, God. And I think that's around the time that the shark gets into the pond. Yes. And yes. Go and kill, like, bites that guy's leg off and almost kills Brody's kid. Yeah. And that's a freaky scene. That's one of the first scenes where you get to see the full shark. And it's fucking huge. 25-footer. Massive. Unbelievably giant that, would that be? That would be That would be 4th of July. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Fourth of July is the whole, yeah that whole scene yeah. is huge. It's a big scene. So the shark gets in the pond, and everyone freaks the fuck out. And that's when the mayor finally says, "All right, close the beaches. My kids were there too." Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, him and Brody have that moment at like at the hospital mm-hmm. essentially, and they're like, "Because his son's in shock." He's a chief. I, my kids were on the beach too. You know, like I also, as evil as I have come across, I do have a family as well. Does the same shit in Jaws too, but we'll get there. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so Brody. Now has permission to kill this thing. So he goes to Quint. 
King of the Shark Hunters. It's like, I'll give you whatever you need, man. Yeah. Let's do this. And Quint's like, I want this. I need that. I need this. He like gives him a giant list of shit. One of them's like a case of whiskey. <laughs> He's just like, we're going to catch this thing. And then you get like a pan through to the beach through a set of jaws, which I love that shot. That shot. Oh, so good. And it's just thinking like this whole damn town is going to be eaten by this thing. Yeah, yeah. If Quint doesn't find it first. So they set sail. And it's the shark hunt. It's the best part of the movie. The third act. Wonderful. Quint, Brody, and Hooper versus the shark. Yeah, for a long time. This is like, it could be his own movie. It's, it could be. it's amazing. The it's whole a, film is centered around this. Yeah, this is, you know, it's it's a very long climax. Very long, yeah. uh, I would say. I don't really know. From the time they really get on that boat and start their endeavor until the end is yeah. this epic, epic that's, again, why it ages so well is it has this just oh, brilliant, brilliant climax that lasts a long time. It's really cool. They eventually stumble upon the shark. Quint starts uh, shooting barrels into there, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After they're, they're chumming the water to try to find it. Brody's in charge of chum duty. And he's like, he turns back, like, why don't you tell Hooper to come down and chum some of this shit? And then the shark comes out. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Great scene. Oh, yeah. He jolts upright. It's like the same reaction we all have. And that's when Brody utters the most famous line from the film, you're going to need a bigger boat. I'm sick of people saying we're. It's your. He's not saying us. He's like, you, man. <laughs> Improvised. Yeah. Wonderful. Unbelievable. Iconic. Classics on t-shirts everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And that fucker starts attacking the boat. <laughs> this thing knows what it wants. Yeah. At this point now, it's like, okay, you three, fuck you. I'm taking you guys yeah. down. <laughs> so Quint starts shooting barrels into it to uh, keep it above... above uh, Water and track it, yeah. yeah. Just keep, yeah, keep track. And it. he shoots three barrels into this thing, and Quint says, "Like no, no creature will go under with three barrels." And this fucker goes under with three barrels. This oh, thing yeah. is strong. And that's when they're like, "All right, what now?" So they take, you know, they go drink. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and they're comparing scars. Hooper and Quint are uh, bonding over scars. And Brody's like tries to unbutton his shirt, but he's like, "Nah, never mind." <laughs> I don't get it. He's gonna play, but he doesn't have anything yeah, to stack up. Shit. Yeah, yeah. They're both in shark business, so they both have a lot of wounds. <laughs> That's and amazing. It's a great both thing. these guys are like way, like way different shark business, you know? Yeah. Uh, way different mindset about sharks too, but they're both fascinated by them mm-hmm. and both want to be around them. So cool. And Quint, uh, ultimate yeah. dick measuring between oh, yeah. the two. They're all pissed drunk. And Hooper asks Quint about one of his scars, and he says, oh, that was a tattoo, I got it removed. And Hooper's like, what did it say, mother? Funny scene. But Quint's like, no, it was the USS Indianapolis. And everyone starts sobering up. You're like, uh, you oh. were on the Indianapolis. And here comes one of the greatest Ooh. section, like, little bits of dialogue I've yeah. ever seen. One of the greatest speeches I've ever seen in a movie. This was, this scene alone was written by John Milius. He was an old friend of Spielberg's who was known for polishing up screenplays. He wrote Apocalypse Now, Conan the Barbarian, Red Dawn, and Clear and Present Danger. And he's been he's had his hands in a lot of different films. And it's arguably the most well-acted scene in the film, and it should have netted Robert Shaw an Oscar nomination. This scene alone, you can see the darkness in his eyes. You can see that this haunts him every day of his life. It's ridiculous. And what many don't know, though, is that what happened, his story of the USS Indianapolis is a true story. The ship was tasked with delivering parts of Little Boy, the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima in 1945. It was a top-secret mission, so top-secret that nobody knew where they really were when the ship went down. And I actually, I found a retelling of the incident 
and the aftermath on uh, ussindianapolis.org. And here's the... All right, so this is the retelling. This is what happened when the USS Indianapolis went down. At 12.14 a.m. on July 30th, 1945, the USS Indianapolis was torpedoed by a Japanese submarine in the Philippine Sea and sank in 12 minutes. Of the 1,196 men on board, approximately 300 went down with the ship. The remainder, about 900 men, were left floating in shark-infested waters with no lifeboats and most with no food or water. The ship was never missed, and by the time the survivors were spotted by accident four days later, only 316 men were still alive. The ship's captain, the late Charles Butler McVeigh III, survived and was court-martialed and convicted of hazarding his ship by failing to zigzag, despite overwhelming evidence that the Navy itself had placed the ship in harm's way, despite testimony from the Japanese submarine commander that zigzagging would have made no difference, and despite that fact that, although over 350 Navy ships were lost in combat in World War II, McVeigh was the only captain to be court-martialed. McVeigh was a scapegoat. He was... Um, he was branded a traitor and people, um, the constant pressure and backlash drove him to suicide. And the men who survived this never got over it. This was the ultimate nightmare. Just, you know, sitting in tiger shark infested waters waiting to die. And it's, I think, putting Quint in that mindset changes his entire character. He's not just this, you know, badass who loves killing sharks. He's avenging his soldiers. He's fighting to get a piece of that life back every time he kills a shark. And this shark represents all of that to him. Oh, man. It's insane. Oof. Yeah, wow. They made a movie about this <clears throat> called uh, USS Indianapolis Men of Courage with Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. which was, I thought, a decent film. It was I directed agree. by... The guy who was in Jaws the Revenge, that was his, that's the only reason he was chosen to direct that movie was he also appeared in a shark-related movie, which is pretty sad, and the digital effects were fucking terrible, but I thought it was a decent retelling, but I'm in the minority for that. Yeah, yeah, same. (laughs) But what a nightmare of a story, and brilliant True, true horror. Yeah. True horror. Yeah, like you said, being, being trapped like that, hopeless, abandoned, and... Defeated and wow. So that's when the shark hits the boat again. Yes. They are all sober up. They sober go, up even more. Yeah. Yeah. They go up and they, uh, they shoot more barrels into it. The thing's dragging them along now. And Quint's, Quint floods the engine. And Brody goes to the radio to ask for help. Quint destroys the radio. This is personal now. <laughs> Quint's not leaving until it's him or the shark. And, oof, from here on in, it just gets grisly. Ah. That's when Hooper goes in the cage, right? Yes. Yeah. Hooper goes into a shark cage to dive down there to, uh, kind of, uh, to poison the shark with a needle thing. Some strychnine or something. Yeah, yeah. And this cool, cool little device. Yeah. But that thing hits the, hits the cage and he drops it immediately. And it starts tearing the cage up. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I would do, too. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone down there, but... Hooper gets out of the cage. He goes hide, hides in the coral. And this thing destroys the cage. Brody and Quinn thinks, think that Hooper's dead. Yes. And that's when the shark kind of bursts through the ship. 
or through the boat and starts tearing the thing down. Quint <laughs> gets uh, in an awkward position. Yep. His hand gets crushed by an oxygen tank. And he slides right into the fucker's mouth. Yeah, I, like I love that the wood, the wood of the boat is kind of like yeah, it's like all shipwrecked, and he's just yeah, like a on a plate, Oof. on a plate. And he's screaming, he's terrified, and that thing just bites him right in the, right down the midsection, and it's just blood, you know, girdles out of his mouth, and he just he dies. It carries him off. Quite screaming, gone. yeah, screaming, brutal, brutal death scene. One of the one of the worst. Yeah, one of the worst. And now Brody's alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What he thinks is he's like, holy yeah. shit! All right, on a sinking boat. This is great. Yeah. So he's in the he's in the uh, the cabin. That fucker comes out like through the through the boat. He starts attacking it with an oxygen tank, and it shoves classic. it in his mouth. Yeah, classic. It fl- it swims away, and he gets to higher ground. The thing starts coming at him. He's got a gun now. He's shooting at the shark. And he aims at the oxygen tank. Exactly. Says the famous line, smile, you son of a... And then he, boom, blows that fucker up. Classic. So satisfying, so perfect. The thing, you know, it's fireworks. They they yeah. kill the monster. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's just meat. Yeah. Flying around. Makes that crazy noise when it hits the water. Pop. <laughs> so the, good. The music is all, you know, optimistic and... Yeah. Hooper like, comes out of the ocean. Wait, we just watched one of the worst deaths ever. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are alive, but what about that guy? Hooper comes out and he's like, hey, we did it. Let's kick back to shore. They grab us some plywood like, or something. Yeah, they're like, Quint? No. Yeah. Okay. And they just kind of move on. Yeah. Like, and that's oh, it. That's, that's Jaws. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. It just ends. It doesn't doesn't give you the whole, like, back at home with the family. And you don't need it. You don't need it at all. It gives you exactly what you want. The, the shark gets blown to pieces and that's the end of, this, of the movie. That's what this movie does the whole time, though, is it gives you exactly what you want. The whole time. It's perfect. It's brilliant. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Solid 10. Perfect film with a simple story and a very real monster. Shark attacks happen all the time. The ocean is a dangerous, virtually unknown place on our planet. It's so deep we can't even fathom it. New species of creatures are being discovered every day. They've already found a real-life shark that's almost as big as Jaws. The shark in Jaws is supposed to be 25 feet long. The great white shark, Deep Blue which is being tracked off the Australian coast, is estimated to be 22 feet long. That's three feet short of Jaws size. What the fuck? Why are we going in the ocean? We have no business there. This, yeah, this, this definitely, this movie has changed people's actions. Yeah. And being scared of the water. It definitely, me. Yeah, I will. I hate the bathtub. I hate, I hate swimming in pools. Yeah, I, all <laughs> that. Because of this movie. <laughs> and then others that came after it, but you know, it's like the Beatles, I guess. Like, oh, they influenced everything. You yeah, know? this was the beginning. Yeah, that sort of a thing. So. <laughs> so I reached out to our partners in the service, Caleb Leger and Josh Allred, to see if they had anything they'd like to say about Jaws. Turns out they love this movie too. So here's Caleb's <laughs> Imagine thoughts. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Here's Caleb's thoughts on Jaws. Jaws is an undisputed classic. Directed by a young Steven Spielberg and plagued by numerous production problems, it was seemingly destined to be a massive failure. Against all odds, Jaws became a huge hit. It quickly changed how films were released in the summer and made a name out of Steven Spielberg. Now it is considered a classic, and for me at least, the best film Spielberg has made. While it was followed by three sequels, none of them matched the sheer magic this movie captures. Granted, I actually do enjoy the second movie. A movie which has continued to make thousands scared of the ocean and its ultimate apex predator, the Great White Shark. Where do I even begin with this movie? I guess with the main attraction, The Shark. One of the production problems was the mechanical shark. 
Spielberg originally wanted much more shown of it, but the machine had different intentions. Named Bruce amongst the crew, Bruce had a tendency to not want to swim, but instead sink. He also broke a lot. This caused Spielberg to go with a different approach by showing the point of view of the shark rather than the shark itself. This proved better as the film is much more terrifying since you don't see what is attacking everyone. It leaves it up to your imagination. And as for the reveal, well, that's just classic. It's a great jump scare followed by one of cinema's most iconic lines, you're going to need a bigger boat. That leads to the next thing, the performances. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and Richard Dreyfuss all deliver flawless performances in their respective roles. The scene when Shaw recounts his experience on the USS Indianapolis, real-life incident, by the way, God, we think exactly alike, is both haunting and tragic. Jaws is also famous for being one of the earlier films to have its actors speak over each other. Yes, Something yes. that was uncommon in film for a very long time. I didn't know that. Yeah, good good call. I like that. That's one of my favorite things about the movie, yeah. Huh. Come to think of it, yeah, I don't see that very often. I never, I never uh, thought oh, about that. Movies are so like, and then you did what? And then there's a pause. And then, it goes, <laughs> and then the, the, the camera pans to the other person. Oh, I can't believe it. You know, it's yeah, it's not how people talk. People it's talk about. over each other. That's how it goes. Much like other films which are perfect to me, I could go on all day about Jaws. This was my introduction to Steven Spielberg and one of the earliest horror films I watched. Yes, Jaws is a horror film. Do not argue with me on this one. Like many, it made me quite scared to go swimming in the ocean while also piquing my interest in sharks. This is a perfect film that changed the way films are released. Let's hope the remake continues to stay dead in the water. 10 out of 10. Brilliant. Well said. Yeah. They better not remake Jaws. Don't fucking touch Jaws. I'm not seeing it. I don't. Oh my god. I don't. I hope endorse not. that at all. I didn't. I don't even endorse all the other movies. This is it. This is the. Oof. This is the standalone. Fuck all the other. <laughs> so what does Josh Allred have to say? If there's any one film that has had a lasting impact on American cinema and the world at large, this is it. Agreed. Spielberg's film, based on Peter Benchley's novel, single-handedly ushered in the summer blockbuster, and it's never left. Can you imagine a summer without such highly anticipated flicks that you plan your cool summer vacay nights around? I can't. This movie has been ingrained into our collective consciousness and scared the shit out of anyone going into the water. Sure, it led to a misconception about great white sharks being ruthless man-eating killing machines, but without it, would we have Shark Week? I don't know if we would, at least not in the capacity we have it now. Not to mention, this is a prime example of less is more in terms of a monster movie, and showed the potential of Steven Spielberg that made him a household name in Hollywood, and led to the makings of a legendary director. I have my gripes about Hollywood, and it's overproduced, too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm talking about you executives and other money men with no background in film or art, but think your opinion matters, approach to mainstream movies. Oftentimes, it does more harm than good. This is the case of something coming along at the right time and taking a bite out of the rule book and letting the rest sink to the bottom. If only Michael Bay would have looked at how this movie was approached, we could have gotten better Transformers movies. Maybe. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) My summer is never complete without watching this 4th of July staple, and I will be passing that tradition on to my kids, along with swimming lessons. Definitely a 10 out of 10 and an American classic. I don't often chastise people for not watching a movie, but this is probably the exception to that rule. Oh, yeah. I agree. If yeah. I find out you haven't seen Jaws, I'm going to have some words to say about that. Ju- yeah, it's just like, go, go, go. What's two hours? Yeah. Great two hours. I think it's safe to say the film guys on team is unanimous in their love for Jaws. Four tens? Four tens. I just registered that. Yeah. That's got to probably the only movie of all time that will uh Agree on that. It'll yeah for a ten. Knowing for, them, yeah for four people to have a ten is is rare anyway. <laughs> if, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And for us four, we're all different. That's yeah. crazy, man. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So 
Let's talk about the bad things that came out of Jaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sequels. Oh, boy. Jaws 2 came out in 1978 and features a disgruntled Roy Scheider returning to the role of Chief Brody. He needed some money. Scheider did not want to do Jaws 2 and was roped into it after he backed out of the Deer Hunter and breached his contract with Universal. Universal agreed to forgive him if he did Jaws 2. Scheider agreed, but resented his deal and was confrontational with director Jeanat Swarzwark. I'm confrontational with that director, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The film follows Brody facing off with another giant great white that attacks the swimmers of Amity Island, leading to Brody's son getting trapped on a raft with the sharks circling him and his friends. It has an IMDb score of 5.7, a surprisingly high Rotten Tomatoes score of 60%. It's the best sequel... It's not as good as the first one, but it's watchable, which is rare for these. There's some great scenes in this one. I think the third act would later inspire other shark films. Yeah, there you go. Notably Open Water and The Shallows. I gave it a 7. I like Open Water, man. I've yet to see Open Water. It's been on my list. Shallows is cool, but... Shallows was good. I really like Open Water. Jaws 3D (laughs) was released in 1983, and it's a dumpster fire. It stars Dennis Quaid as grown-up Mike Brody, Chief Brody's son, facing off against a giant great white that's trying to force its way into a newly built sea world. The 3D effects are laughably bad, even for 1983. The story's nonsensical. This makes no sense. Ugh, it's really bad. It's it's terrible. However, it does have one of the most grisly deaths in the franchise. A Quint knockoff named Philip Fitzroyce is swallowed whole by the shark and is chomped on, but the camera's in the shark's mouth. So we see the inside of the teeth close again and again. It's surprisingly freaky. I like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the only decent scene in the film, really. (laughs) It has an IMDb score of 3.6, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 10%. I gave it a 5, and that was being generous. Oh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, 3.6, that's like what reality TV gets. (laughs) You think it's bad now? Holy shit, here we go. The final sequel is widely considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. 1987's Jaws The Revenge, starring Lorraine Gary as Ellen Brody, who moves to the Bahamas after her son is killed by a shark. Of course, the shark follows her to the Bahamas, because this great white is trying to kill Brody's. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But it co-stars a young Michael Caine, so there's that. Michael Caine uh, was unable to collect his first Oscar for Hannah and her sisters, because he was filming this at the time. Jeez. He was asked about the movie. He said, uh, I've never seen Jaws the Revenge, but I have seen the house that it bought, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I love Michael Caine. Classic. Yeah, me too. In this film, the shark roars. Just wanted to point that out. As if this could get any more ridiculous. The fucking shark just roars. It has an IMDb score of 2.9 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 0%. I gave it a 5 because it made me laugh. (laughs) It's so terrible that it's good for a laugh. Uh, Hey, I like that. Yeah, holy shit. Jaws began a trend of shark movies and underwater creature knockoff movies. Here's just a few movies that wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for Jaws. Deep Blue Sea, Open Water, Sharknado, The Shallows, 47 Meters Down, The Meg. Then there's the underwater creature movies like Piranha, Orca, Anaconda, Lake Placid, and most recently Crawl. It all started with Jaws. Never forget that. Anything you want to say about any of those movies? Yeah, yeah, I I, I love all the ones you pointed out. Well, I don't love all of them, but um, (laughs) I, I do think... That this is a pretty direct uh, influence and direct uh, inspiration is Jaws for like these these movies like you said they wouldn't be made. This is such a specific monster water monster like genre that um, 
when something this good comes out, everybody, of course, people are going to follow and try to copy or or try to bring that magic back up. And no one has ever come close to Jaws. No. I've liked a lot of these those movies you named, but I've never not even close to the the impact Jaws has on me. I agree. Every shark movie just seems derivative now. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite outside of Jaws? Outside of Jaws, honestly, probably The Shallows. Just because I thought it did something smart. Yeah. Okay. I ah oh, man. The Shallows uh, stars Blake Lively. That's a good movie. As a surfer who's going to this isolated beach, and uh, she's swimming in very shallow water, and she gets bit by a shark. She swims to this rock that's like 15 feet away from shore. She's bleeding badly, and the shark is circling her. She knows that she cannot get back to shore in time, and she has to figure out a way to get back there, or else the shark's going to get her. It's brilliant. Pretty amazing. And it's done really well. It's a good, mm-hmm. it's a tense movie. Yeah. 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 I like, I, like, I like Deep Blue Sea. I haven't seen Deep Blue Sea. It's fun. It's fun. I've heard it's goofy as fuck. Yeah, you got a great Samuel L. Jackson bit. I've seen that. Too. Yeah, so holy great. shit, that's hilarious. Yeah, so fun. I was not a fan of The Meg. Oh, I, I thought that was I terrible. I didn't see The Meg. I, I haven't seen 47 Meters Down. I just saw Crawl not that long ago, so that one was fun. Really yeah. good gator kills in that. Mm. I've seen the Piranha remake. I love Piranha. Very strange, very sexy. I, I really enjoy Extremely really enjoy bloody. It. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I I don't... I'm going to have to watch Sharknado at some point. Me I don't too. really want to. But it's got to happen. But we got to talk about it. I watched a movie one time with a three-headed shark. Oh, there's a ton of like... What was that called? Um, Sharktopus or some shit. It was... Re- there's a ton of... Off the wall. Danny Trejo was in it out oh of nowhere. God. And like shoot, she's shooting at the shark with like a shotgun. Like, when I googled shark movies, a ton of like low budget sci-fi channels. And they're, they're always up. like filled with like sex and just really bad acting. My favorite one was called Ghost Shark. I haven't seen... Yeah, I don't, I've never heard of that one. It's exactly what it sounds like. Perfect. Ghost Shark. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, it's just funny how these are... the. These aren't even considered... Like, I wouldn't even be like... There's no need for me to rate them. No. Because they're not... Like you said, you gave, you know, Jaws a five because uh, it gave me a few laughs because it's so bad. These, But Jaws is like this masterpiece. Yeah. This this movie that... I'm going to go ahead and say it. It might be the best movie ever made. Ooh. It's high praise. Yeah. From what I've seen. You know, there's a, there's plenty of movies I haven't seen. There's plenty of movies everybody hasn't seen. Yeah. From what I've seen... What I know, what I've read, and the impact that it had, you know, Caleb and Josh pointed out as well, the impact it had on movies in general in the summer and the summer vacation thing, that idea of, like, going out as a family during the summer to see a movie is because of Jaws. Yeah. It's because Jaws came out Very in, true. in the summer, so uh, it changed everything, and I, th- I think the impact it has, it just puts it on this whole different level, and still, still, I, over, I, I like it more now than I did five years ago. You know what I mean? So I agree. I like it more every time it I keep, watch it. It keeps going, keeps growing, and um, it's very hard for a movie that really is so simple to do that. Yeah. Um, with, you know, not a lot of characters, not a lot of crazy stuff going on, just here's a monster, here's these people, here's how they're dealing with it. There you go. <laughs> well said. 10 out of 10. Here's some film guys and facts for you. A lot of cool ones with this. I'm sure, I'm sure. Number one, several decades after the release of Jaws... Lee Fierro, who played Mrs. Kintner, walked into a seafood restaurant and noticed that the menu had an Alex Kintner sandwich. She commented that she had played his mother so many years ago. The owner of the restaurant ran out to meet her, and he was none other than Jeffrey Voorhees, who played Alex Kintner. They had not seen each other since the original movie shoot. Wow! That's so cool! Unbelievable. That is wild. (laughs) Holy shit. Unbelievable. 
So, uh, number two, I already mentioned this one. According to writer Carl Gottlieb, the line, you're going to need a bigger boat, was not scripted and was ad-libbed by Roy Scheider. Genius. Number three. Even even if Roy would have been, if Scheider would have given a horrible performance, just that line is, like, huge (laughs) for cinema. So, thank you. Absolutely. Number three, when composer John Williams originally played the score for Steven Spielberg, Spielberg laughed and said, that's funny, John, really, but what did you really have in mind for the theme of Jaws? Wow. Spielberg later stated that without Williams' score, the movie would have only have been half as successful, and according to Williams, it jump-started his career. That's hilarious. Amazing. It's like, you that's funny, that John. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great, but what are you really planning to do? I love that he said his first name. Like, that's funny, John. Here's a, here's a 29-year-old. It makes me laugh when these guys refer to each other by their first name, like whenever yeah. they, you know, talking about Martin Scorsese. Like, I mean, me and Marty were hanging yeah. out last week, like, I would be like, how are you doing, Mr. Scorsese? <laughs> yeah. I was watching an interview with George Romero about Creepshow. Yeah. And he was talking about uh, working with Stephen King. And he said, oh, yeah, me and Steve had all these ideas. <laughs> like, he's just Steve? <laughs> to you. That's unbelievable, man. Jeez. <laughs> I love it. Steve. How dare you? <laughs> oh. Sir King. <laughs> Number four. Uh. During pre-production... Director Steven Spielberg, accompanied by friends Martin Scorsese, George Lucas, and John Milius, visited the effects shop where Bruce the shark was being constructed. Lucas stuck his head in the shark's mouth to see how it worked, and as a joke, Milius and Spielberg snuck to the controls and made the jaw clamp shut on Lucas's head. Unfortunately, and rather prophetically, considering the later technical difficulties the production would suffer, the shark malfunctioned, and Lucas got stuck in the mouth of the shark. But Spielberg and Milius were finally able to free him, the three men ran out of the workshop, afraid they had done major damage to the creature. <laughs> so, Jaws, his first victim was almost George Lucas. That's amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's uh, great. <laughs> number five, and this is insane. That would have stopped Star Wars yeah, from happening. <laughs> Star Wars would have been snuffed out. I love it. Jeez. Number five, when the shark attacks Hooper's cage, there's live footage of a real great white with a rope hanging from its mouth. This shark's mouth is clearly much smaller than the shark's mouth when it attacks the boat moments later. These scenes were filmed by noted shark photographers Ron Taylor and Valerie Taylor with the help of shark expert Rodney Fox, specifically for the movie. Because the great white sharks they filmed would be smaller than the mechanical shark in the movie, they constructed a smaller version of Hooper's shark cage. Inside the cage, they alternately used a small mannequin or a little person. One of the sharks they attracted got caught in the cage's cables and tore it apart trying to escape. The footage was so good, they changed the script to reflect the destroyed cage and Hooper escaping by hiding on the ocean floor. However, the small person used in the scene refused to go back in the miniature cage, which was damaged in the incident. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) So they just used a regular-sized shark in a tiny cage. That's beautiful. That's thinking outside the box. It really is amazing. The cage, I guess. (laughs) So that's all for Jaws. Wonderful, flawless, timeless summer blockbuster that created the trend of the summer blockbuster. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? There's, there, there really, there's no look it up. I guess you know, there's just people have talked about it for ages. You know, on, you know, I've dissected what Jaws did for the industry, for the film industry, and what it did to create dollars, to create, and something that's really interesting that I looked up before we recorded was the amount of theaters it was put into. I think it was big during the '70s. A movie like Godfather would be put into. You know, opening weekend only like two hundred theaters, yeah. not a lot. Jaws, Spielberg was like, "Let's go ahead and do like eight hundred opening weekend." And Smart, yeah, and it just it just worked. He just I don't know, and that was like his decision. Apparently, there there's just so much from the production of Jaws where it's like, 
like you said, there's times where it was a nightmare and like they didn't know what to do. Yeah. And it seemed like Steven just always had this vision where like I'm going to make this movie and it's going to kick ass and like I'm it's gonna it's gonna be my masterpiece. Interesting that he was allowed to do as much as he was. Yeah. Considering yeah. this was like his second or third film and, and his he didn't first have any real clout. yeah, it's his first real thing. Yeah. You know? The producers must have had serious faith in him. Or, or was he? I don't know. It, I don't know. From what, everything I've read about him, well, you know, eventually, of course, we will have a huge film gasm on Steven. Oh yeah, Steven Spielberg. Uh, I gotta call him by his first name. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> oh, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could join the pod, Steve. Like, like he's listening. Yeah. No, he's 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 a genius, and I, this is my this is my favorite movie and the best movie he's done, in my opinion. I I don't think it's very that close. Uh, it's his. It's just, it's just brilliant. It's perfect. Anybody anybody who would have made this, it's just not gonna be the same as Spielberg. Spielberg no. just he, it's perfect, perfect. Everything, everything is perfect in this movie. Very true. I've said that probably twelve times, but I, I that's you know, I can't stress it enough. Yeah. So now that we're done with Jaws, let's talk a bit about what happened this week in film. Nice. Disney is rebooting Home Alone no! and Night at the Museum for Disney Plus. No. Yeah. I don't like that. That's I already didn't like that they did Home Alone 3 and 4, because I love 1 and 2. 3, 4, and 5. I didn't know about 5. There's okay. a shit ton of shit. TV movies. Yeah, because 1 and 2 are the one with yeah, Macaulay. Those with are classics. And they're great. Hilarious. Third one's not bad. That's just, like, what was the point? And you, then need, four, you need Culkin, and, and you need Stern, and you need Pesci for oh this to work. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. What, what's the point of this, Disney? So it's, you're... Yeah, they I, got it This is Fox, what I'm talking about, so now dude. now they want to do their Yeah, thing. this is what I'm talking about. You... When I compare you to these, these terrible figures in history, like, you, like why, Hitler. <laughs> why do you want to consume everything and make everything yours, dude? Fucking leave it. Yeah. Leave Home Alone. Make something new. Even if it's similar to Home Alone with different names and different ideas, just do that, please. Like, why do we have to... And that's the museum is not at old. I mean, no. the, the third one came Neither out... Neither Home Alone, really. Yeah. Like, Jesus, let it rest. It's ridiculous. Like, ugh. It shows a lack of creativity, in my opinion. Oh, it shows extremely. a serious lack of like just, a lack yeah. of skill and creativity. It's just, just the world we live in now. Yeah. Nothing's sacred anymore. Frustrating. It's sad. One day we are going to have to deal with a Jaws remake. Wow, I know, I know. And it's going to be sad. Ugh, jeez. Next up, Wesley Snipes has joined the cast of Coming to America with a two instead of the word two. John Amos is also returning to play Cleo McDowell. I hope McDowell has franchised in the sequel. I want to see a bunch of McDowell's restaurants. My favorite <laughs> yeah. part of this yes. coming to America. The guy from McDonald's trying to catch <laughs> Cleo McDowell in like fast food espionage. <laughs> I fucking love it. He's reading from the McDonald's handbook. Brilliant. brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. He's got the big Mick. <laughs> oh my god. The big Mick. Coming to America is a funny as hell. It's one of my it's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> cool that Wesley Snipes is doing that, and then uh, you got Marshall Ali doing an old Wesley Snipes. You know, it's like just keeps. Oh yeah. Kind of recycling. I'm glad Wesley through. Snipes was able to bounce back after yes. his tax issues. Yes, agreed. I love him. So yeah, yeah good, good for you, Wes. I hope he. It'd be cool if he played. the I'm gonna bad start guy calling in... everybody by their first name now. <laughs> How cool would it be if Wesley Snipes played the bad guy in Marshall's Blue? Oh, dude, that'd be fucking amazing. That'd be fantastic. He should play Deacon Frost. I just want to see them two fight. Yeah. Like, yeah, just fist fight, guys. <laughs> just see a good old, a good old, look, good old brawl. Yeah. Oh. The trailer for Honey Boy was released. Oh yeah, it's an autobiographical tale of a young actor played by Lucas Hedges. Oh yeah, struggling with his own mental health and overbearing father played by Shia LaBeouf, who wrote the movie about his own life. I think it looks okay. It could uh, be really good. I can't wait. 
Yeah. I'm this, not Shia LaBeouf is hit or miss for me. I agree. But, I really I'm uh, Lucas Hedges is why I'm all in. Yeah, I figured. He does he doesn't fucking miss. Like and he's like twenty two. <laughs> and he's been in ten movies in the past four years, and every single one is like awesome. So yeah, I know how to pick him. I'm I'm all in on that. And I've seen like sh- the what Shia looks like, his like costume. And I'm like, yeah. wow, transformative. He's so. clearly got something he needs to get off his chest. Exactly, and that that's why I have I have a lot of hope. And I might my expectations might be a little too high for Lucas at his age, but I I'm, I'm all in. I mean, I think he's done everything in his power to raise those expectations. I mean, with Jeez, he's already got he's, one Oscar nomination under his belt. And, he, and he, you know, we saw like movies like mid nineties together where he's not in it a lot, but you're like. Wow, that yeah. guy's got chops, man. He can he can do it all, you know. Yeah, for sure. He Lady Bird. I think he's one of the best parts of Lady Bird. Maybe the best part. I think he's the best part of Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I agree. I, yeah. I think he outperforms Casey Affleck in it. So that's a whole other tangent, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's great. That's that's exciting. That's exciting that for those sure. two get to work together. Uh, what else do we got? This one pissed me off. Universal has canceled the release of The Hunt following the recent mass shootings in Daytona and El Paso. The film is about a group of strangers who are rounded up and released into the woods where they are hunted for sport. And I don't think this is the way to go, personally. I think canceling the movie is giving power to the gunman. I think it's showing fear on our part. And I I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't, I, I, yeah, I could probably be meaner about it, but I don't... Because... Mm. It's a movie. It's it, not real. It's, yeah, exactly. Then, then what about we? Do we do we need to go back and like not watch any Tarantino? Do we need you know anything that has violence? Anything that's uh, I get it. Like it's for sport, but like also, um, what's that? What's that? Um, what's that book? That famous book that's about the most dangerous game. Yeah, the most dangerous game. Yeah, yeah that's like one of the most famous pieces pieces of literature. Like, yeah. um, and apparently inspired the Zodiac Killer. So like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe. Maybe there's something to that, but I agree with you. I'm more on your side where it does give power to the gunman. I, I think the the movie is it's freedom of speech. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's storytelling. It's, it's censoring Hunger Games. It's censoring Hunger Hunger Games. Yeah. What about all this stuff that yeah. we that we throw on the screen? It's yeah. It's well, and it's it could be a way of looking at uh this could be a commentary on like how uh, like maybe some symbolism in something. I don't know. Give it a. Ch- I, I I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think that's 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 absurd. I I agree with you. Cool. Cool. Next up, the Motion Picture Academy has a new president, casting director Fuck David yeah. Rubin, who looks to be the guy to bring about real change in the films that the Academy considers for major awards. Super excited. We might actually get some more popular, you know, fare this time. Could be yeah. interesting. Some more, you know, I hope they start looking at horror films finally. I, I mean, you know, I, David Rubin in an interview said his two favorite movies of the whole year are Midsommar and The Souvenir. <laughs> What that that guy's got some fucking taste. <laughs> that's got, he's got a palate. That's crazy. If those are your two favorite movies, you know, uh, that's really cool. I like that. You know, that doesn't mean he gets to choose. Yeah. Or he doesn't like. You know, I'm not choosing the win the, the movie that wins Best Picture, but he has an influence on yes. what gets to be nominated. He's got influence, and that's nice. big. That's big. That's big. And yeah. it, I know you don't like Midsommar, but if that's what's on his mind, much rather it be that than fucking Green Book. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you. You know uh, that that uh, I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I'm also one of those people. Who, you know, we're, we care about the Oscars. Oh we, yeah, we want them to be good because we do care about them because they're on every fucking DVD case you see if they have that. Yeah. So that's how it goes. It influences yeah. my opinion of the film for, for sure. sure. For sure. For oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Or it's something nice. Like I said, it's nice to attach to it. Yeah. Like the if Jaws had that with it, it'd be like ah, oh, it'd be great. Like 75 Best Picture winner. You know, it'd be really cool to attach that. Or I guess it'd be 76 because the year after, but. Um, that's the way it goes, and it, but I I think a guy like Ruben is pretty passionate about it, so I'm, that's exciting. Yeah, exciting stuff. Cool, cool. Next up, the trailer for Dolomite Is My Name was released, starring Eddie Murphy as real life actor Rudy Ray Moore, who made the 1975 black exploitation film Dolomite. 
after he was shut out by Hollywood. It looks fucking fantastic. Yes, it does. It could reinvigorate Eddie Murphy's career. I, I really hope so. Here's a crazy, crazy uh, prediction, but I think he's going to be up for Best Actor. Really? Office role. All right. I'm like going. I'm I'm going out there and betting on it. I think this, like you said, is going to re kind of recreate him. The, the names I'm seeing being tossed around for Best Actor this year are nuts. I know. Leo, Eddie Murphy, Robert De Niro. This yeah. is going to be an all-star. It's going to be insane. Yeah. This is going to be the dream team. Of I, fucking, ju- I just yeah. think, I think he could do that where people love him. Yeah. And if we get to see him, like, really, really do something, we might be like, oh, shit. Let's give that guy an award. Like, he's been in our hearts forever. Yeah. yeah. And the trailer looks like that kind of movie. It, yeah. It's something he's never it's done. It's just, if the movie hits. I don't know. I'm yeah. just predicting that. I, just, I, I hope so. I really, I hope so, too. Yeah. Next up, uh, Jaiman Hansu has joined the cast of A Quiet Place 2. I wasn't a big fan of the first one, but I would like to revisit it for a future podcast. I'm, I'm pretty neutral on it, actually. I like Jaiman Hansu. Uh, Me too. Yeah, so who knows? He's great, you know, in uh, yeah. like Gladiator, stuff like that. John Krasinski's returning to direct. Emily Blunt will be returning I'm to in. star. I'm in. I just, I, yeah, I'm in. I'm with you. I wasn't as sold as everybody else. Yeah. I, went, I didn't get it. it I, I wanted more. I, maybe we'll get it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll get our yeah what we wanted, what you and I wanted. Except Disney announced they are considering a sequel to Aladdin, which recently surpassed one billion worldwide. Of course, they're going to do a sequel. That's what they do. I doubt it's going to be the Return of Jafar, but I'm intrigued. I like Disney movies. I'll go see it. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even see Aladdin. I liked Aladdin. I was a fan, but you know, billion worldwide. It's just I didn't expect it to be that successful. Insane, man. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And it had its problems, but it wasn't what I... Ex- the problems were not where I expected them like, to be. Will Smith yeah. was not the problem, which was a surprise for me. Yeah. Jafar was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, and this one, oh, fuck. I love this. Andy Muschietti, director of It and It Chapter 2, has announced that he is planning to adapt Stephen King's Roadwork, one of my favorite of his Bachman books. Roadwork could be a very interesting film. That would be awesome. Do yes. you, you know Roadwork? Yeah, I do. I do. It's, it's a crazy story. Yeah. And I, I would love to see it. With that and The Long Walk in production, it's going to be cool to see some Bachman stories. Mm-hmm. But it, on the screen. Very exciting. Fucking go. Yeah. I'm loving the Stephen, Stephen King renaissance we're currently oh, I know, right dude. I know. So cool. It really is. It, it's amazing. Yeah. That's all for this week. If you haven't seen Jaws by now, get your fucking life together. Watch Jaws. Yeah, who was it? I think I think Caleb said it's like one of those movies where you're like, if someone says they haven't seen it, it's one of the only ones where you're like, dude. Yeah. Because you know, you know, people have lives and you know they can't see everything. And there's certain movies you're like, oh, dude, you gotta check that out. Jaws is like, dude, go home, <laughs> go get on the couch and go watch this movie. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's one of the greatest horror films of all time. A pioneer in the creation of the summer blockbuster. Next week it's Weird Shit Wednesday, and we're going big with the Cullen Brothers. Every film they've written and directed from Blood Symbol to The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and everything in between. Don't miss it. Thanks to Austin for helping me hunt this great white bastard. Of course. Thanks to Caleb and Josh for keeping this rickety old ship afloat. Stay out of the water, listeners, and we'll see you next Wednesday.